My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. The energy you put out in the universe is the energy you receive. If you want to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. At least that's what Nikola Tesla said. And today's guest is a big, bright, smiling ray of sunshine who's clearly mastered his energy, frequency, and vibration as a musician and podcaster the dynamic and bold brandon thomas is here again to expand our realities and ease the dimensional tension i'm mystic mark you're listening to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast thank you for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with brandon thomas What does that energy feel like? Just be that, focus on that. And whatever comes up, like just ask yourself, it'll come up and then you go, cool, I'll just do that. And then go do that. Even if it's something like go clean out your closet, like dead serious, I've got it. I clean out closets. I found something in there that was super relevant and I don't consider myself something that gets contacted by things. But what I will say is I'm very out of my way these days with stuff. And I've really tuned this and I figured out my relationship with me. And so I trust what I'm hearing and it's led me to the most incredible shit.
Ladies and gentlemen, here we are back again on the show, and we're already off to the races here. Old friend, he's been on the show since the the show was in its double digits. You were on episode 70-something back when yeah. we were doing the scene. I was a guest on your show, I believe, and, and even your panel discussions, which you've continued to do for the Expanding Reality Insiders, but... Without further ado, folks, the man behind Expanding Reality, Brandon Thomas, returns to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast, and we both have roadcasters, so I'm going to hit him with a soundbite. Thank you very much. Can I hit you with one as well? Hit me with it. Okay. (laughs) I knew knew that was coming. Well, great. Oh, I love man. it. You got to put something childish on the on the board. I have another one that's equally. This one I call the sneezing unicorn. Here you go. Oh no, I replaced it with a gong. That's a gong now. Never uh-huh. mind. <laughs> we'll you... find the sneezing unicorn and throw it on there later. A but gong. anyway, yes, you got to have the sound pad. Dude, it's cool to see you. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. You've already got me brewing with questions. I thought we were going to talk about UFOs, but now I want to know what the heck are you using a gong for on your roadcaster? <laughs> Just all kinds of shit. You know, we have. Like that, yeah, it's just a cool gong sound. And then there's like a beep noise. So if you want to like censor yourself, you can be like, yeah. So then I was like, and then I told the mother, you know, and so you can have fun with it. Music on here as well. And then we make fun of the news, you know, when you get the. Mm, the very you know, official broadcaster yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah. With the, you know, and then they always do like the, oh, this toothpaste is in your house right now and your family's using it and it's going to kill you. Find out tonight at nine. It's like, that, you that, motherfuckers, like it's eight in the morning. What are you talking about? Like, tell me now. So oh man. yeah, it's fun. We're incorporating it. There's all sorts of sound effect, video, like voiceover effects, but I haven't really dicked with any of that stuff, but it's just like a toy and I love it. I know you love yours too, man. These are great. Yeah. Well, you know, people listening at home, I guarantee nine out of 10 of them can care less what kind of podcast equipment we're using. They just care that it sounds nice. So, but what I do want to tell everybody right off the top is that Brandon Thomas, he is an author. I don't know. I mean, how do you, what do you, cause this is a different book. You know, it's not actually like chapter by chapter you're writing. This is totally unique. And I think it deserves to be mentioned right off the top because it's probably the best piece of merch I've ever seen go along with a podcast of, especially of this kind, because, you know, even though I listen to most podcasts while driving, I can say for sure, listening to a show like Expanding Reality, listening to all the different shows that inspired me to start this podcast, I was just brimming with ideas and I needed to write them down. Did I ever? No. Luckily, I was driving. So there's sort of hypnotism that I was kind of laid it into my subconscious. Maybe we can get into that a little later. But first, tell us about this expanding reality handbook. You have it to your, your left hand side there. Tell us about it, brother. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. And well, thank you for the kind words about it. And that's you actually picked up the message without me even having to say anything about it. You just found out I did this thing. We spoke very briefly, but as far as the motive and the intent to inspire and empower, you've absolutely nailed it, which is incredible. Thank you again. So yes, I created this thing. It is the Expanding Reality, Expanded Insight and Interest Episodic Reflection, Volume 1. This is just the first one. So I also, at the same time, founded a publishing house, and this goes right along with the reason for this. Now, the publishing house is called Redigital Publishing, and Redigital is a word I've had in my mind and 
all of that running around for well over 20 years. People have known me forever. Ridiginal this, ridiginal that. And it means ridiculously original. And so now, you know, my LLC is Ridiginal LLC for the show. And that was started two years ago. So it's always been this theme. And now it's nice to bring it out to the forefront and make it about the authors and about empowering people and getting their stories or whatever they want out. So this little guy was for that reason. Now it also went with a website redo, which is all themed. You know, I was ready to just do something different with the website. So turns out when you do a podcast, you figure out how to do all kinds of shit. So I got on Canva and I just made a bunch of pages that just said what I wanted to say. There's a little intro part here. And then it goes through a portion on here where it'll show you how to actually use the book. Right. And like you said, this is what we in the publishing industry call a low content book, meaning that that's more filaments. It's more co-collective creative process. Well, and, and, and that's what I was kind of brushing around is like you are an author because you did write. There is writing in there and you put that together. But it's more of an artistic venture in the sense that you're kind of creating a canvas that goes along with your show. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's 100 percent the point. And it's to add value to what we're doing here and to show folks that we put a lot of thought and care into the experience of everyone that's here. And so there's additionally. So every three episodes, the way this is set up and I'll go through it every three episodes that you go through and it's non-order. So it's episodic and that's what episodic means. Like our shows, they're episodic. You don't need to listen to one, then two, then three in an order, right? You just skip around. So then I've got some quotes, the ones that open the show, of course, Bill Hicks and Terrence McKenna. And then we get into the actual booking of it. So this is where you just sort of input, you know, what's going on with the show as you listen yeah. to it. Now, like you said, sometimes the shows also have visual presentation. Joe, I have a guy like Matt Trillian on and you just glued to the screen watching what's going on. And there's a spot in here for an inspired doodle if you want to doodle around, because that's what I like to do. Yeah. There's some topics that we discussed, the expanded research. So if well, you note for, anything or if we mention stuff, you can note that to move on. For the audio listeners, what Brandon is showing us, it's not just some like random kind of pieces of paper that are blank for you to scribble on. No, they're very thoughtful. There's lines, it's lined. And, and like he said, the first point of the book, they kind of, you know, explain what each box you can use, you know, what you're, you're expected to put in there. But hey, be creative, you know, if you want to go outside the lines, that's your your choice. Once you buy the book, I'm sure Brandon doesn't care, but I love it. I think it's very thoughtful. And this might be something we cut out because it's a genius idea. Just this part, what I'm about to say. I think every podcast needs to have something like this for their podcast. I mean, think about like if you're an, a podcast fan, a diehard podcast fan, you, you have your phone app with all the podcasts in it. But unless you like collect stickers or T-shirts or something, you don't really have like something tangible to hold on to that represents your podcast. But now people can have a bookshelf with the expanding reality. Boom. You got your expanding reality notebook. I'll put one out. My family thinks I'm crazy notebook. We can, you know, syndicate this thing or however that, you know, whatever the business term is, you know, farm it out, get one-on-one, -on -one, one Steven Snyder from the farm, shit, Sam Tripoli, tinfoil hat. I mean, this is a pretty genius idea, man. I, I hope I'm not stepping on your toes. Maybe we'll need to cut this out, but I do think that's a great, that's a great idea. You, you've led me to the point of this all, which is that exact inspiration. So again, this is what I'd like. And again, this is what Redigital Publishing is here to help you with. We can help you mm -hmm. with all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I made this. And so therefore, we've got resources available. And also, we'll have you on the show. We'll talk about it. We want to make sure that you, everybody knows that you printed this amazing thing 
that's very awe-inspiring and empowering for your audience. You can think of folks also that do coaching, coaching tools. You can think of moon trackers. I've got journal templates that I've yet to create. Just it's in the back burner and they're coming. And there's so many other things coming with the publishing house that it's not just also, we have fiction, nonfiction, we've got kids books, we've got journals, diaries, low content, things like this as well. So there's a whole expanded Redigital family that's going on. And the Redigital has been around for well over six months now. I just haven't said anything about it. You know, obviously I didn't create this overnight. It took a very long time. But to do this was to inspire other, other content creators to add value. And so this is, again, like exactly to what you said, dude. I'm so grateful you brought it up. You're nail on the head with this. You, you've interpreted it the way that I'd like for it to be received. It's just awesome. So... <clears throat> is again to like let them know that you've got something tangible that you've created that of is a value that they can hold and carry around and take out in nature with them you know they're sitting there on a grassy hill they can sit here and fill this thing out or something like that and then in between like you said there's these what's been on your mind and all of these different ways it's got it does have blank spots for you to create because i would want that uh what are some mysteries that you're into what would you ask aliens if they came down something about psychedelic experiences. It also is an opportunity for you just to get deep in your subconscious here and really figure out what's going on. So there's this image of this bomb and then a explosion on the other side. And it reads, has something not in your highest vibrational alignment been on your mind, holding you in a sensation of stagnation, preventing your next level up? And that is where you would release all of these things and then let that shit go, you know, just fucking flow it. Now, at the beginning as well, and I'm grateful you mentioned it, it does have an instructional way of how I set it up. But big, bold letters at the very bottom is these are merely suggestions, of course. Go with what you feel because absolutely, you know, and any ideals for the volume two, and that's why I left it very open-ended. This is the first of many. We have a black and white six by nine version that's going to be coming out. This is a full color version. So what this is, though, is to... Get folks, like you said, to rally behind an idea like this and to provide something like this for their audience. Now, they could just do a blank line page with their note, with their logo on the front of it. That's awesome. That would sell like crazy. You could do all kinds of shit. So that's also what I'm here to empower folks to realize is that you can do this, you know, spend a little bit of time on it. We can help in any way you'd like, or I could just show you how to go do it your damn self. But if you'd like to be a part of the Redigital family, we'd love to take a meeting, as they say. And you can just find me at expandingrealitypodcast.com for now. We're working on the website infrastructure for the other, but that's where it'll be facilitated through for now. Mm. So like I said, this is to empower other content creators. If you're out there tracking Bigfoot, you know, Alexander Petikoff, he's got, you know, his Bigfoot stuff. Let's get a tracker going for him so that he can do a track. And then while he's doing a live broadcast, people can be following along with it in their trackers too. If you're going out camping or any anything like this, if you're food forest abundance, Jim, you're starting a journal for your tracking of your plants and your harvesting and things like that. Like there's so many things. And I, I feel a tangible element of books. You know, I've been a book nerd, as it were, for a long time, at the fourth grade especially. I had a teacher, Miss Kane, I'll never forget her. And I just was not into whatever, you know, they were the assigned reading was or something like that. And it was because it wasn't challenging enough. So she handed me a Calvin and Hobbes book. And I was just like, what is this? You know, and I was just blown away. And so I would sit there in fourth grade with a Calvin and Hobbes book and a dictionary. And I would find out what the hell, you know, those big words were and go through Calvin and Hobbes. And I was obsessed. I've probably every Calvin and Hobbes book that's, that was in print. And so that really gave me my love of books and storytelling in that way. And so it's great to see folks, you know, like Paranoid American out there doing what he's doing with the comic book. And that dovetails really nicely with all of this, with the artists he has, then you know, I've got a bunch of authors that would love some book covers. And so this is a huge community endeavor is what this is. Mm. Yeah. 
I love it. People can tell if you're watching on video, I'm a collector of books and now other things. Now, I believe it or not, somehow reignited my childhood love of action figures. So now, mm. I, now I have, now I'm obsessed with that, but that's not worth talking about on this show. Look at this. Whoa. Dude, I've a, got Legos everywhere. I'm a huge Lego nerd. Oh, you're a Lego. These are actually my favorite. Mm. Them? No, so they're supposed to be like the Hulkbuster and shit, but they made it. Oh. They made a bunch of weird ones. Check this out. So it's Marvel. So, That's my favorite. Well, they're knockoffs, so they're made in China. So they're not <laughs> real Legos, but they feel like awesome. But they have yeah. such cool designs. That huh. I just loved them, and they, but they're Marvel based. You know, they're yeah. I call them. You know, they're just I don't know these knockoff Legos, and I absolutely love them. Yeah. So I hear you, dude. I'm a huge fucking hell yeah. Yeah. Well, and and to. Back on track, you know, collecting things. I think it's just, you know, we're in a very unique time with the podcast we're creating. And, and podcasts are sort of, I don't, they're interesting. I, some people are saying, oh, it's a phase in media and oh, podcasts are going to die. I don't believe that one bit. And I think, you know, projects like this just goes to bona fide podcasting as, a, as the subculture that it is, you know, people that love something they like to to display that present that to their friends their family and yeah i mean not that i have many guests over but when people do come over they're like whoa you got a ton of books and <laughs> you know i i feel like you know proud of that and if i have a, a shelf of podcast dedicated books which i kind of do i got like isaac weissop and, and a few other people that should be mentioned but i i can't remember and of course people i've had on the show I have your awesome book and it's funny because the first time you're on my show, it was the synchro mystic exploration of the ever expanding now edition of my show, right? That was the iteration we were going with. It was sort of a different format and eventually that show evolved into writing these PDFs and I have three of them. The third one just came out. So I mean, this is kind of opportune time for the both of us, considering, you know, how things kind of align. I would love to be able to print those. So I think we should continue that conversation off the air. We did kind of start that conversation. But, yeah, I'm very interested in, in doing that for myself and, and with the, the series that I'm working on, seeing the editions one through three. We're going to put one out each season. So spring, I'm... Not sure what's going to come out this spring, but yeah, by the summer, I'll have the fourth one out and maybe we'll have the first three in print by then too. It'd be so cool because really just 25 pages and up, you know, 45, 25, somewhere in there, but 25 pages and up, you, you've got a book. You know, it's so much more simple than folks. See. You know, we interview these authors and stuff, but I mean, all these people do exactly what I'm empowering y'all to do, which is just, you can do it. And I'd love that, Mark. That'd, that'd be a killer project, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whole series. And like I said, we have tons of artists. You could rotate the art out. You could put all sorts of art within all sorts of stuff. Well, and, color and version. I should say I did that on Canva as well. And that's kind of what it, it inspired me to say that really is because nowadays folks listening for $10 a month, you can have, I mean, you could use Canva for free, but I do recommend you use the Just pro. Yeah. The pro yeah. settings are better. And especially for doing something like this, cause you're going to make your money back. And if you're a creative person, Canva gives you all the tools. It's, I mean, for a long time, that's kind of why I didn't like Apple to continue why, what we were talking about before we started recording. 
is because it felt like, oh, you know, this is all very pricey and just out of my range. And to be fair to Apple, they have kind of become more consumer friendly and maybe a little bit more affordable. And, you know, Adobe's kind of the same way. But there is a barrier with creativity that, you know, when it comes to graphic design or, you know, some of these other creative realms, music, you need to have these programs. You need to have the right device where with podcasting, the hurdle, the berry is a little lower, you know, it, obviously quality matters, but just getting into it, you could use a very simple voice recorder and, and any, you know, just an internet connection to get your podcast out there. Right. So, and I think Canva's kind of breaking those barriers for people who might want to write a book or are creative and want to put something cool together like this. And even if it, it just is a PDF that you send around to a couple people and it gets some interest generated. You make a couple bucks, hit up Rediginal and yep. get it published, man. I think that's a, this is a really interesting time we're in, you know, when it comes to what, what is it? Peer to peer sales, but also, you know, like that. I don't know exactly how it's the right term, but that what I'm describing, the, the barrier of entry to creating things has lowered, you know? Yeah. It's nil. It's near your time. It's your dedication. That's it. And a few bucks. You you know, for like you said, Canva, just invest in it. Like I, that has been one of the best investments I've ever made. Get the Canva year subscription and you are not limited at all. You drag things in there. The background remover alone is worth it. Now you can do it on some videos. You can make some dope shit. Like it, it enhances the creativity in so many ways. And the best part about all of this stuff, like audio, video, um, now Canva, things like DaVinci Resolve, which is the program that's totally free. I only use the free version. It's what I create the videos in. It's being able to use Canva a certain way and know its strengths and weaknesses or limitations rather. And then being able to go over to DaVinci and then marry the two and being able to see that you are really like limited by your imagination and your time, whatever you want to put into it. And that's what's nice about this too. I've been working with the program for over two years now. And so I've been able to just crank things out. That's how I make all the graphics for the show, like everything, everything is done through there. And then also, like you said, the book, and it is very, very achievable and manageable. And so it also is, you know, for, for bigger parts of this, you know, now is it's a skill, you know, it's a, it's a highly commoditized skill. You've got a lot of like older folks, like my mom in real estate, that wants me to do videos and shit for her, you know what I mean? And you can do it and you can do all kinds of stuff that just blow them away and you can, you know, make, make some side cash on that or make a huge thing out of it. The other thing about that is, is like I said, then it takes away this like barrier of entry. I'm grateful that you put it that way because there is none. Again, it's, you're only limited by what you're willing to air quotes, sacrifice in lieu of learning a new skill that you can then apply to a greater, grander version of yourself. So you just, you know, maybe swap an hour of yelling at the TV and then go on Canva and learn that skill and create your children's book. And then that's going to be way more addicting than whatever that TV is yelling at you to be afraid of. And so really it's a then, again, a change. It's a neurological change, which then translates to a physiological difference in your actual physical life because now you've dedicated yourself to greater purpose and greater insight within yourself. And so this is a deep exercise. It's never usually about just the thing. Oh, I got Canva. It's, I'm starting to dick around with it. And no, oh, look, I made a you know little thing. It's way bigger than that. Because if you follow that, it leads to so many other things. Like that led to the book, which led to the graphics I'm very proud of because and me being able to redo my own website, being empowered by that. And all of this is just because I do the best that I can to be the representative for the force that is expanding reality. It's been way bigger than me for a long time. I just mm -hmm. get out of the way. 
Right. And but being autodidactic in that way, I've been able to do the guests and the conversations and the insights justice by presenting it in a very, you know, appealing way. Right. And to continue to improve in that, driven just simply by the better your lighthouse is, you know, the more people find the message, the more empowering guests that you have on, the bigger the community. And it's just this snowball, which it is. Well, so and now and it's just about finiting those. Snowball. That's an interesting way of putting it. Because as you're saying that, I was kind of thinking in my own way, you know, what you're describing and how you've leveled up, you know, just in the way you, you what you said in the past two seconds, two minutes there, there's a chain of events that you are recognizing. I did this, which led to this. I found this, which led to this. Now I'm here. Then this happened. Yeah, this is the type of thing that people listening, maybe they're not in that situation, right? But their chain of events, maybe it's it's not as exciting. It's not worth mentioning, right? It doesn't give them confidence. And I think that's the hurdle that, you know, people maybe out there listening may need to get over. And I think, you know, you and I being examples of people who are maybe on a, a chain of events that's working out, we can see we both know points in our life, most likely, at least speaking for myself, you know, where, you know, the chain of events was not looking good. And, you know, I couldn't see how, oh, one thing was leading to a better thing, but it always was, you know, right. I just wasn't, I wasn't that far ahead yet in this sort of link chain of events. So, you know, as you level up, you know, what are some of the, the sort of I guess, daily practices or even just sort of mental routines that you're going through? Because I feel like you're not someone who, you know, levels up and says, okay, I'm good. I feel like you're kind of always like on that edge of, okay, when's the next level up, right? Because you've done, you've done a lot. I mean, we've talked before, you've, you know, traveled the world as a musician. Now you're you know, hosting a successful podcast. Now you're going to contact at the cabin. I mean, quickly leveling up is something that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Again, every time you and I get together, it's this synchromistic thing. You are right on par with the things that I'd like to talk about, which is this morning routine idea. I've actually got a couple of folks I'm working with in a coaching capacity. And one of the things I really empower folks with is this idea of setting your morning routine, your morning tone. So I'm going to give this to everybody. You guys just grab a pen and paper out there. You can play this back as many times as you'd like, but I'm going to give you some simple things that I do in the morning. And this is what's been the change that you're talking about. Now, this has come with some awarenesses and this could be the sun changing. I'm getting extra energy. I think a lot of it really has to do with the fact that I'm in full surrender. I'm in complete surrender to this flow that I'm in and this manifestation I've created for myself. And so really it's just been about aligning to the next version of me that wants the dope thing, you know, and whatever the dope thing is, it's just about matter of aligning to it and choosing it and saying, yeah, yeah, I want that. So that's been the process of this, but it started when I changed my morning routine. Now this is on December 29th. It feels like a walk-in experience. And I'm, actually I'm going to note that to come back to it. So I feel like I had a walk-in experience on December 19th and that is the exact or 29th rather. That is the exact morning that I started this exact morning routine that I'm going to give to y'all. Now, I do have a journal template for this that I will be putting out under Redigital Publishing soon that will be available. And then also I can work with you on your own and anything like that. But my practice consisted of first, no phone for the first hour. No phone. You know, nothing's that important. You're fine. And if it's going to interrupt your commute or something like that, bump your uptime, the time you wake up an hour earlier 
and commit to no phone in that hour. And then what we're going to do is replace that with something positive. And this is what I did. Okay. I set a standard for myself of doing my age in pushups every single day, no matter what that is. I'm 40 years old. I do my age in pushups. It's not about getting strong or anything like that. It's about a consistent thing that I don't want to do. So the other thing about this is I will do no water before coffee. I down to one cup of coffee a day and that is it. I, a tip for that for you caffeine folks, cause I was big in this was make your second cup decaf. It sort of tricks your mind. And it's actually really nice. Cause I also just like the flavor of coffee. So water before no phone for the first hour, one cup of coffee in the morning. It'll take this agitation out. The other thing is read five pages of something. It doesn't matter what, just five pages. Now I know five pages, you're like, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah, but some days you're only gonna have time for five pages and that's great, but you can commit to that, right? And if you go beyond that, absolutely, please. I'm already on my seventh book of the year and I, I just started doing this that way. And all I do is like maybe 20 minutes of reading in the morning and I'm not a super fast reader, but I'm on my second or seventh rather book and I'm three quarters of the way through it. So it's just this small things over time, these small disciplines over time. And that's what I really changed. So the other thing was a journaling practice. So we've read, we've got everything going on now in, in your morning practice. One of the things is to really focus on what you want to create. If you're going to play the what if game, only play the what's the best that can happen. Always set the tone in this way. Now your day is going to unfold the way that it unfolds because everything is a past manifestation that you're living in the echo of as I see it. If you see it this way as well, you know that really just a committed change over time is it. And really this was, I mean, in a month, 21 days to a month and a half is when I really started seeing results with this. It was after that that a ton of synchronicities occurred, which I will bring up after I explain the journaling. The journaling practice consists of on my left side, when you open the journal, I use both pages for one day. On the very top of it, I track the moon. I'd like to know where the moon is and where I am based on the moon cycles. I see where the moon is currently, and then I know how many days to whatever. Like today, it's a waning gibbous. It is two days until the third quarter. And I know that because I filled that in this morning, right? It's also a good just sort of way, like I said, to kind of track all kinds of shit. The other thing is, is underneath that, I do what's called the daily design method. Again, if you guys are listening to this, I'm going to run through it, but feel free to hit me up or replay this as many times as you want. The daily design method, method is four questions that you want to ask yourself every single day. Number one, how do I desire to feel today? Number two, who do I desire to be today? Number three, what do I desire to give today? And four is what do I desire to receive today? Ask yourself those four questions and answer them honestly. After that, a mantra. Give yourself something that's consistent that you'll remember and just sort of repeat throughout the day. The universe provides options is a great one. I'm just going to give you a few again, guys. Just replay this as you need to. The universe provides options is a wonderful one. Fear keeps me from getting what I want. I now release fear and any emotion connected to its vibration. I am meant for rapid positive progression. Another great one is I am now in my highest timeline in my deepest desires and ultimate fulfillment. And what you're doing here is you're rewriting things. You know, you can see how, let's say, for instance, you pull your phone up in the morning and it's just like conspiracy and this is happening and this is going on and this is what they want you to be scared of. And you can think of the energy that then implants in your mind right at that theta brainwave, right when you wake up. But if you replace it with something that's different in energy, you change the tone. And this is my secret. This is what I did. So... 
the next thing after your mantra, just whatever you want. And small, little, short, and just you repeat like crazy. Like the comparison curse is dead within me, right? That's a great one. Another one I've got right here. If it undermines my worth, it will be replaced. Another one, be strong enough to be gentle. Like all of these, you know, wonderful things just to embody as a starting point for yourself. Now, after that, a gratitude practice. Very important. What I focus on here is just what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my perfect wife. I'm grateful for my perfect body. I'm grateful for my perfect life. I'm grateful I've got shoes on my feet, running water, anything. I'm grateful for this little tuft of hair right here. My wife loves it. She comments on it. I like it because it makes her happy. I'm grateful for it. The simplest of things, but it puts you in this state of gratitude and appreciation, as they say, and as I felt, is the highest level you can reach here is appreciation, gratitude. So again, planting that and being mindful of it because you have so many things to be grateful for. Like that's the biggest thing about this. I'm not telling you anything new or anything. And first of all, just reminding you of all this. Secondly, it's, it's a state of being to where you really see things as they are, not as, again, the boxes yelling at you want you to see your life as you need a new this or a bigger that or a compete with this person or any of those sorts of things. You, you actually live a phenomenal life. And if you're not happy with any of it, it's probably because it's a little busy and noisy, you know, and that's usually it. You, you'll find that maybe slimming that down. But again, this intra, introverse type introspection will inspire those kinds of things. So another thing would be to track your reading. Like I'll always do what I'm reading right now, the author, the chapter, and then what pages I read too, just sort of a way to track it. Um, the other thing would be on the right side, your day, you know, anything you want, your observations, your feelings, your uh, events, just shit going on, whatever. Also over there is where I will do my thought ninja, what I'm releasing, which is a whole Tulpa thing. I've got a t-shirt for that's a whole thing. My, what I release for the day and what I'm attracting for the day. So things like in the morning, you release your fear, unworthiness, imposter, fucking scarcity, anything like that is what you're releasing. Now I always write that out and then I draw a katana through it because it's cutting it out, right? It's very visual for me. And then I, what I'm attracting, it's a magnet that I draw with little lines and arrows coming from it. And the template will have all this stuff. It's going to be really cool anyway. And then that's what I'm doing. And it's this morning change that I made. And when I made it, man, I mean, I thought it was silly at first. I was like, nah, it couldn't be this easy. You know what I mean? Kind of a thing, but I'll be damned. It really, really changed shit. Again, the physical of your age and pushups. If you don't want to do pushups, like do sit-ups. If you, it's not about again, the thing, and you don't have to do what I'm doing. It's just being physically active in some way. And then also, like I said, spending some time with you, like get to know you. That's if you, if you have like a question of like, what's the greatest secret to life is get to know your relationship with yourself. Like that's it. You've got two, two people to impress in this bitch. And that's the five-year-old version of you and the 85 version of you, 85-year-old version of you. So, you know, everything in between, that's just whatever you want. But, you know, really d doing that introspection, it cleared everything out and I was able to really focus. And if I was manifesting, then... I did it. I did it right. It, it made things clear and quiet enough for me to be very, very focused. And there was a point within that where things just started falling in so much that I stopped manifesting months ago. I've, I'm done with the idea of it. The I am only in the mindset of fortifying myself mentally, emotionally, and physically for all of the blessings and the highest level of service I am to commit here. And that's it. Everything has been in flow after that. The universe knows my desires. I'm not going to keep tracking my order. You know what I mean? You, you keep tracking your order through Amazon or what it's on the way, dude. You're, you don't have to like check where your pizza guy is. You already ordered it. It's on the way. So I'm in full surrender, full send. And it's, it's been incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. I love that. I used to try to explain, you know, that's a great way to explain it. You know, 
you don't need to track your order. You know it's on the way. But I used to try to explain that to people, you know, and say things like, oh, well, you know, it's you in the future. So you, it's still you. You have it in the future. So you have it now. Right. And people would be like, huh? You know, but I don't have it now, you know, and and I, and it it maybe it became easier to understand as more people started thinking this way because I do believe like, you know, 2012 there was like this resurgence at least for me, it seemed on the internet of people who were very conscious about their interactions with each other and the world, and I I just. Is refreshing because I think a lot of people go through life pretty dimly. But you're you're saying you know manifesting is something that you're kind of cooling off on. That's interesting to hear. I, maybe I'm, we should explain that more. Maybe cooling off on wasn't the right way to put it. But yeah, let, let's get into that. It's reframing it in my mind. It's not as heavily because manifesting to me is a verb. And so that's something where I'm constantly thinking of it and intently focused on bringing things into my life that I don't have. So what I changed it to was rather than manifesting in the verb sense of like, oh, I have to have this or I know that I'm aligning to the energy of freedom rather than money because freedom is what I want, not the money. Like I was past all of those things. And somewhere along that line, beyond that is where I found that I'm just concerned with make, maintaining the level of alignment I am to the desires that I want. So that's really the trick to manifesting. That's like the biggest secret to all. That's the, you're always, so it's a few things at once. You're always manifesting from your current moment of now, because now is all that there is, right? This past idea, these future ideas, none of those exist at all. They're potentialities, and we don't even know about the past. Those are just interpretations of memories, if they happened at all. So the moment of now is where you're manifesting from, if you want to put it that way. So really what you're doing is you're looking to get yourself in your current state in the level of alignment to that version of whatever you want. Like, let's say it's a, let's say it's money. Okay. Really what that means is you want freedom, you know, cause money gives you freedom. So if you're after just the single act of money, then you ask someone, okay, well, what is money? Like, what do you mean by that? What is your breakdown on how much you want? Like, let's say it's a million dollars. Most people don't know. They'll just go, ah, oh, a million dollars. Okay, well, cool. How's that coming to you? What does that look like? Have you actualized this into your experience? Have you looked at, does it come in two payments a month? Is it a one lump sum? What do the taxes look like? You know what I mean? So what does the breakdown look like on that? Who do you give it to? If you're going to give, what percentage does that look like? Really walk through this mentally and sit with that. And what that does is it brings up these emotions in you. And that is your paying. That is your alignment. And what that does is it tells you either how far or how in pure alignment you are. So when that emotion comes up, you'll get feelings, you'll get thoughts, you'll get all these things that go, I can't have, or, oh, that's going to, or, oh, this person's going to, those are what you sit with because that's where the lacking in alignment, that's the only, there's a thing called golden gap, right? You close that gap by figuring out what this tuned version of you is. Now, my tuned version of me was a little more healthy. He didn't, you know, worry about dumb shit. He just had his shit together in a disciplined way that I never was. So what I did was I said, okay. Well, if I'm not going to just maybe one day do that, I'm going to do it now because that proves that I'm in alignment. Because if that future version of me does those things, then every moment I don't keeps it a future version of me. So I just started doing them. And the way that I saw that was, is okay, well, if disciplined and healthy. So I was like, okay, well, easy. I can do consistent my age in pushups every morning. And it was a simple, small thing that translated into a much bigger thing about alignment. And it was those realizations with it where I was like, yeah, I don't have to sit here and write like I'm worthy. 
now like recalibrations and you want to reset every now and then and you want to get clear and those things you you know i have found specific waves of that to occur so let's say for instance i will be a little bit more specific about things i'll say uh, at the new moons because that's when you want to manifest allegedly right and then you release on the full moon so you're releasing the things that you're not in alignment to with what you're manifesting on the new moon so that you can be in alignment for it, right? Because it's never about like receiving the thing. When you're in alignment, you receive all the things. So all you're focused on and the realization I got to is just be in alignment and it, the rest takes care of itself. So in a sense, I've stopped manifesting, but what I've done is I've reframed the specificity of it. Now it's just something that's very broad and I've cast a much wider net, which allows the universe to really surprise me in some awesome ways. And I'm very open to the universe surprising me. And it loves to fucking do that. Yeah, I, I'm i curious what books you've been reading. You said mm. you read seven this year? <coughs> yeah, I can grab a couple. I started with Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. That's always just a good one. I wanted to revisit it anyway. They're not all over here. Bud Hopkins' Intruders was my second book. It's a reprint from a buddy of mine in the UK who has a, had a publishing house called August Night Press. Then Becoming God by Ford of the Five Tribe, which we'll still talk about because that's a huge thing too. This is the first book. And then Kivas of Heaven by a guy named Gary A. David. It's about Hopi star lore. Fascinating, dude. Turns out we're like friends on book and I found it in a used bookstore out here. So I was just super pumped about it. You know what I mean? And I was just like, I think I know this dude or whatever. And it turns out I did. Anyway, I'll have him on. But that was the, I don't know which book. And then Journey of Souls, Michael Newton. Badass. I hadn't read it yet. The wife had read it before and now she's on Destiny of Souls, and we'll just grab from that later. And then right now I'm reading this one, and this is Ford of the Five Tribes' second book. This is the first one, Becoming God, more science-y, but absolutely fucking mind-blowing and incredible. And then this one, Devil in the Details, this is absolutely fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I am blown away by the type of information in here. It's real guru. It's real deep. It tells about incredible psychedelic experiences, got phenomenal quotes, inspiration and this book actually by ford of the five tribe is being published through original so this is actually one of the original publishing books i'll get you a copy sent very soon okay i'm, I'm working on getting those in you're Thank on the you. list so yeah. i think that's number seven may have missed one but yeah that's what i've that's what i've done for the year so, so now far. you and just 30 minutes in the morning that's it now you're You've interviewed that guy on your show before, the Five Tribe. Have you done shows with them? or Because I feel like I've heard them through podcasting somehow. They have been on a couple of spots out there, a little bit here and there. Not on the main feed yet. Ford was on an expansive insider that we just did that was just released. But they were on Spencer's Serenade. They were on Unapologetically Joy. A couple of others, but we're working them into the expanding. The expanding reality schedule is just sort of like this flow of consistent, you know what I mean? It just stays its thing. Where all the like flexibility is, is in the expansive insiders. And so that's where we're doing a lot of shit. And what we've done lately is we just had our first meetup where we're all getting together and hanging out and we're going to be doing several of these. So that's where like all the stuff is. But yeah, I've got Ford book to come on, I believe, but it isn't until May. So yeah, it's a while. And then between their recording of their music and their live schedule and all that, it's it's been wild. Well, I'm excited and I appreciate that you're sending me their book. And yeah, Fi Tribe, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but no, I think you did actually recommend them to me to have them on the show. So yeah. Yeah, I sent probably like a, a thing, a whole booking packet because if you don't mind, can I share my screen with you? Is that a thing we can do? Obviously? Yeah, go ahead. 
Okay, cool. Okay. So the Phi Tribe is actually this incredible uh, group of musicians uh, who make this badass music. Now they make things like, this is one of their, it's like a lo-fi mix by them. So what this is, is Phi Tribe stands for the, like Phi, like P-H-I, Fibonacci, right? And the whole deal with this is it's like mathematically, you know, sacred geometry, the way that they map out the timber, the notes, the tuning, it's 432, the piano in Ford's house is a baby grand that they had tuned down to 432 hertz, the whole thing. It took two piano tuners to figure out how to do it or that would agree to do it rather. There's lives that they do on Thursday nights, but they have these eight hour sleep mixes is what they went absolutely bonkers famous for. So they do a lot of stuff though. It's a record label with all sorts of things going on with it, but these sleep mixes have just been awesome because again, it, it gets you into this state. It's alfagio. It's very intention based. They have been doing it and been absolutely crushing it. And actually people that I tell about this are like, oh my God, I know about this. I've been listening to them for months. So when I met with them through a friend of ours, Mira Taylor, and we had a meeting, turns out Ford had already been a listener of the show. So we just hit it off in synchronicities. And then about a month after that, I was asked to come out to Atlanta. So they flew me out to Atlanta like three weeks ago. I did my first DMT trip and I transferred all of our consciousness. You came with me. You came with us to a physical reality where our manifestations were supersonic with abundance. So we all did that. And then that next Saturday, they asked me to be their manager. So now I'm prefer the term reality expander if we're throwing labels on shit, but it doesn't fucking matter. But now I'm helping these folks expand and it's been incredible. So you guys definitely check it out. I'll send you a link to their YouTube. That's where they are for right now, but that's absolutely expanding. And Ford's a phenomenal guest. Ford is just the music side of stuff, not the author, not the incredible person making the music you're listening to right now in the background. But as a producer, has worked with, you know, 25 something years in the record industry, like worked with Michael Jackson, Celine Dion, Mick Jagger. When I went out there to Atlanta, there's just gold records all over the fucking wall. Like it was the level of like rock star that Ford was at and is at. And then to see what they're doing with this is incredible because you see going from the music industry, I mean, worked with Ludacris, did chicken and beer, like all that, like all of that to doing this now and to really expanding. And this goes deep. And that's the whole thing is it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of deep shit, you know, as far as sacred geometry and cymatics and patterns and theta waves and solfagio frequencies and these hidden tones and timbers and it's just fascinating what they're able to do with this. So I'm grateful to be a part of it. And it just really aligns with everything we're doing. So there's a lot of content creators right now that are teaming up with this. And if that's something that you'd like to be involved in as well, just email me and we'll talk. Right that's awesome. on. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of live events, you're going to one put together by the Grimerica show, Graham Dunlop and Darren Grimes, friends of the show. I've been a guest on their show which was huge for me because that was one of the big, that was my top three, you know, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to when I was delivery driving for Amazon. And uh, yeah, I I mean, it's just so interesting. The, uh, the, the milieu is the right word of guests that they have on their show. And I love to see how it's evolved into these sort of, I guess they're not really like, like Graham described it so well on your show. You had them both on along with Brandon Powell, 
recently. And then you followed up with, with Ksenia Moore and David Matheson, who's also been a guest on this show. And all of those folks will be at this meetup. But, but yeah, it's just fascinating to see how that's evolved into it. Graham described it as, as like a, a conference, but more intimate, right? Because you have like a guy like David Matheson or yourself or Brandon Powell. And instead of just going and sitting in some uncomfortable chair and listening to you, you talk, you know, like, you, I mean, you do that when you listen to podcasts, speaking to the audience, you know, they, they can listen like that, but to hang out and be in a really cool place, that's a totally different experience. So if I wasn't isolated up here on the East Coast, I'd probably have been to one already. Hopefully they pick a place in like upstate New York or something for the for a future one. But but yeah, I, I'm sure there's some places on the East Coast where we could get something like that going. But tell us about this. You, you got the contact at the cabin. You said you guys are going to be there on 420, which is awesome. What inspired you to go there? Was it, I, I think you're, you mentioned a listener of your show who's been to a bunch of them told you, hey, there's some tickets available. You ought to be a part of this as well, right? Uh, David Matheson called me, um, but it oh. just so happened that he heard that I was coming on and Drew Burkholder, I'm going to shout him out too. Thank you for that. Drew uh, is an expansive insider, is an aligned participant of the show. He's just so fucking cool. He writes, he's sweet. And he said, hey, you know, I heard on Grand America, they announced that you're coming. That's so badass. And then he found out about Ksenia Moore through my show because we do a lot over there on the Expansive Insiders with her. And she's been on a couple of times. And so, yeah, he was just like, dude, this is so cool. So now, especially for Drew, because he's an Expansive Insider, the aligned participant here, he heard about a guest that's going, flying all the way from Australia to come hang out in Utah to do this amazing thing. And now he gets to come hang out with all of us, you know, and like you said, he's been to a few of them. I'm grateful to get to come hang out with him. Like that's the whole thing. And you nailed it with the intimacy of this. And that's what's so cool is because, yeah, when I speak, I'm anchored to a chair with a microphone hung here, but I'm pretty damn animated out in the wild. You know what I mean? So you're going to get to see, uh, you know, me in my natural form, I guess. And it's, it's this, but just a little more motion, I guess. And whimsy, I'm going to be bringing you rocks and flowers and shit. You know, that's just what I do. So it's going to be so cool also to go out and do this. Now, my wife and I haven't been on, and I know you've heard this, but my wife and I haven't been on vacation in eight years together. And where we were going to go in 2020, this surprise thing I was booking for us, uh, was a road trip. So my wife and I are road warriors. We just love this. And so we were going to go up through Utah, Zion, Bryce, everything. And that was going to be something where we just went by ourselves and, you know, go, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And we would have loved it. And it would have been magical. But this, you know, it's going out to the same place we were going to go to. After a long time of not, now we're going on this awesome epic road trip road trip together. And we get to go do this with Ksenia again, a dear friend of ours. Her and my wife have communicated, you know, on Instagram. She sat in on some shows with us. My wife has. So just to get to hang out with all these folks and then especially the folks that, you know, enjoy what we talk about. Like, that's so fucking cool to me is to get to hang out with y'all and not be like on some stage and be like, all right, see you later. You know what I mean? And then you press passes and stuff and perhaps at some point, but not this thing. This thing is totally different. You know, we're going hiking. I mean, this is so cool. Right. Right. Well, yeah. wait, is there still tickets available? If, if so, tell folks like, how they can get involved. Dude. Yeah. I think there's like two spots available last we checked. I mean, so it's slim pickings, but it's not impossible. And I would love either way, you know, we'll, we'll make it fit. Like I'll scoot over. You can share the bed with the, the wife and I, and she'll <laughs> and be what, fine with that. What? Okay. Here it is. Okay, cool. So it's at Duck Creek Village, Utah. Now I don't know Utah. Well, where is that in Utah? Is that, is that near Salt Lake? Is that in the Southern part portion of Utah? What, what's going on? 
you know, we will do this in real time. It's going to be where Zion is. So it's more southeast, you okay. know, sort of four corners ish area. It's more towards right. the middle of the state, but four corners area. Cool. So I'm thinking if we can get a map going here. Right. Okay. So if you look at the state here. I think you need to hit the arrow down at the yeah. bottom. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, so cool. I guess sort of more west, southwest. South central, so. southwest Utah. Okay, right along 90. Is that 95? We got a 90. 90 we got 89. a 95 out here. No, that's 80, 89. 89 and then 14. So it's this little offshoot there, but it's all nestled in this Bryce Canyon. Yeah. I'm just Zion, dude. I'm just so pumped. They have the petroglyphs there that we're going to go check out. Oh. The, the Narrows. I talked to somebody today. They were like, oh, you're going to Zion. You've got to go through the Narrows. I'm like, it's on the trip. I know. So we've got this badass itinerary. And then in Bryce Canyon, David Matheson's going to take us out to Bryce Canyon there and point at the his laser pointer at the stars and tell us about the myths and how they relate to the constellations right above our fucking heads. I'm so pumped for this, dude. It's going to be so much fun. So yeah, if you guys are interested, a couple of spots left. Definitely check it out. It's it's absolutely worth it. It's going to be so much fun. It's, yeah, just a couple of spots there. So it's a 420 through 424, and it will be 420 friendly. So come on. Right on. Right on. Yeah, very cool. I, I'm kind of baffled on how a laser pointer works for stars but uh, it's kind of like the green thing where they just kind of like with you know how five folks do this Stephen Greer they go out and that's how they attract UFOs down is with one of those green lasers you're not supposed to use them for pilots and shit because it blinds people but you can go out there I think I think this is, they understand that but you go out there and you can kind of circle constellations so you can see groups of stars it's just a better way of sort of pointing out in yeah. real time where we are and what you're looking huh. at over here he's like hey you see these five stars with this pointer and then circles it and he's like, well, this one over here and you can see how they related and in relation to the horizon, like it's all in real time. Wow. It's like the coolest planetarium ever. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Sorry for the stupid question. I just thought, Not at all. I just thought like, oh, well, that works out here because we got so much pollution and uh, mm. but out in the canyons, like the clear, beautiful skies and yeah. you got the laser they, pointer. They oh. purposely do this for a new moon as well. So it's going to be a completely oh, moonless cool. sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done huh. this a few times, so they've worked out the kinks. You know what I mean? So this is like streamlined. Just get in here and enjoy it. I'm pumped. Yeah, it's funny how that works out. 420 is on the new moon this month. Interesting. Come on. <laughs> and that's also a great time to manifest. So if you're in the energy to really bring it in, the new moon is the time to do that. So if you want to cl set clear intentions for yourself of just what you want to align to the energy of is what I would recommend. And that's going to fast forward you through a lot of manifestation stuff that I learned, which was all valuable, but it was valuable so that I could bring you to the microphone now, a skipped version of that and tell you, if you just align to the energy of what you want, that's it. You know, it's not, oh, I want this because it's, well, what is that person like? What does that energy feel like? Just be that, focus on that and whatever comes up, like just ask yourself, it'll come up and then you go, cool, I'll just do that. And then go do that. Even if it's something like go clean out your closet, like dead serious. I've got it. I clean out closets. I found something in there that was super relevant. And I don't consider myself something that gets contacted by things. But what I will say is I'm very out of my way these days with stuff. And I've really tuned this and I figured out my relationship with me. And so I trust what I'm hearing and it's led me to the most incredible shit. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, listening to a conversation like this can be like a 
sort of, I don't know the right way to put it. I was thinking like it, it can like seep in to a mm. person's life and inspire spark synchronicity in their life. You know, I'm, I'm sure you get that in the comments and, and as feedback for your show, but you just mentioned CE5. You're going out to Utah, and there's some strange stuff in Utah. I, I can't speak to where you're going. I don't know much about it. But but when it comes to UFOs, you're sort of you have a lot of unique guests on. But I I sense that there is an overall interest for you in UFOs. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that's how the show started. Yeah. Right. And you, you have some really great guests on to talk about. I mean, you've had, I think, one of the first UFO encounter people that I've ever seen myself, just speaking personally, which is Jim Penniston, right, is his yeah. last name. And, yeah. yeah, he's a really interesting guy. I remember seeing that on TV and, and just being very convinced by that one, especially, you know, just the, the interesting details of that UFO report. But then again, you know, now that I'm older and have a, a little bit of a distrust for the military, now I, I question a guy like that differently than I would when I was younger. But when it comes to UFOs, I mean, are we any closer now in 2023 to answers than we were, let's say, 20 years ago when you possibly got interested in all this stuff? I mean, you, you've been interested in this topic for a while. How has how the, the field changed? Great question. God, what a great question, Mark. This is changed tremendously and it's changed because there's so many more options. There's so many more players in the game as far as ability, availability to possibility. And really what that has to do with our conceptualization of what's possible. And so our ability to expand that, and really that's what expanding reality is. It's, it's absolutely UFOs. It's absolutely all the self-help stuff. It's absolutely the spirituality and the music and everything because it's all connected. And so whenever you start looking at the UFO phenomena, when I started, it was, you know, coast to coast, man. That's why my expansive insiders, my aligned partnerships are, are called expansive insiders. It's an homage to the coast to coast insiders that they have, right? So it all started with that. And that was folks like Michael Cremo who have had on the show. And so it was a lot of UFO stuff, but it also tied into some some of the things as far as like ancient history and forbidden archaeology, things like that. So folks like God, Brad Olson, like I said, Michael Cremo, Jim Pennison, things like that that I've seen on, you know, all these awesome talks and read their books and stuff like that to get them on and ask, you know, the questions I wanted to ask them. Like author Preston Dennett, he's written like 30 something books, crazy dude. And they came on and we had the coolest conversation. And so it's by having conversations with folks that have at least an awareness of that perhaps there's something more going on and that you know, they don't necessarily niche down into one thing and make it their everything and just die on the hill or plant their flag, run their colors up their mast, as Mark Ollie says. But if, if you're able to sort of expand the what you think is possible, then that absolutely applies to the UFO phenomena. And then you have people on, like my first year, I had on Dr. Michael P. Masters, and I was blown away by this thought just two years ago of that what they are potentially is future humans coming back in time machines. Like that entered my real reality like two years ago, which seems crazy to me to think about because now it's such a prevalent option. Now it's just something I entertain. And not only that option, but now you get into folks like Ryan Musgrave Evans, children of Orion. That dude, the contact he's been involved in and what he says about it is it expands on that idea. So we now have in our scope of reality of possibility, it's like the Roger Bannister. Do you know who Roger Bannister is? The guy who ran the four minute mile, the first one to do it. Doctors said it could not be done. I want to say this is in the 50s. I'm going to look this up and fact check it real time. So Yeah, I think student, I've heard of it. 
Yeah. So what this dude did, though, it was it wasn't about running a four minute mile. It was about the fact that he was able to prove that it was possible. And so this is what this type of conversation does. Again, it just expands it. So whenever you look at something again, like the time travel phenomena, bringing Ryan Musgrave Evans back, he says, yes, that's accurate. But they're from a different timeline of time from the past, not the future. So they're really coming back as crypto terrestrials that weren't from somewhere else. They're from a different time. Now, when you wrap your mind around things like that, it's it takes you to a whole new level. This is where you start integrating those and you start saying, OK, well, then maybe you know, the interdimensional aspect comes into play and how they behave. And that's, you know, what we think it would look like. And then you say, well, if you're interdimensional, then it's time travel. And if you have time travel, you're interdimensional. It's one is the other. And so now you start applying these concepts, you know, perhaps it's infinitesimally small. Maybe they just really shrink instead of disappear. And that's where all of everything is. You know, we're just on a bigger scale to some and then a smaller scale to others. It's all of these sort of concepts that are introduced in addition to the nuts and bolts phenomena that we talk about, like the they're built somewhere and brought here from another civilization like that has been part of the iconography and it, it needs to be, you know, it's classic. Right. But also it's, we're, we're able to take that idea and yes. And it, you know, this is, this is what my show is. It's I'm not here to prove anybody wrong or me. Right. Cause I have no fucking clue what's going on, but I love the conversations and I love getting guests on, especially that will sit there and say, okay, well, I have an idea about this or I've heard about this. And then we yes. And each other in a sense of, you know, critical thinking, which is really what the show's about. Like, that's the thing. If you read it, I put it right out there in front of everybody. We're not hiding anything. It's the expansion of consciousness cleverly disguised as a podcast. So it, it's the idea of installing critical thinking. And really, when you push the bounds of the UFO phenomena, things like that, then you're sitting here saying, well, shit, if UFOs are possible, and if you can even make that leap, and then now you're talking about things again, like missing time, like hybrids and secret space programs, and like that sort of stuff. And you can apply sort of a filter, you know, and just, and just look at it and entertain it without just looking at it to judge it and prove it wrong over an idea somebody else gave you that you decided was yours to hold on to forever. Like it, it does so much more. And it's back to what we said earlier. It's more than just the thing. It's a, it's a bigger, bigger thing going on here. Yeah. UFOs are badass. And I will absolutely niche down and talk about those. But at the same time, what's occurring, like a backtrack is we're really connecting on a deep consciousness level to really map this terrain together and find out where we stand on what is possible here and expand our reality together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I appreciate the sentiment about, you know, being open, but I do, I do find I, I take umbrage with that stance when it comes to something like, let's say history, for example, uh, because history is important. It's it's why, you know, 9-11 as an inside job and the, the conspiracy theory lives on. Because as we're told, history is telling us one thing happened. Many of us agree that another thing possibly happened. And then even more so, a great majority of people, excuse the motorcycle blaring by on this beautiful spring day, um, it's good riding day. Yeah. There's many people who look at that and they say, oh, well, those people are just crazy, right? So there's this sort of cognitive kind of split going on with certain ideas. And I, I don't I don't personally disagree with the ancient alien theory. You know, I'm not I actually loved it for a long time. 
But the more I learn, the more I question whether or not aliens could be involved in some of this stuff. And, and you know, maybe this sci-fi imagery is a convenient way for academia to dismiss the intellectual capabilities of of you know ancient peoples in order to promulgate this idea of progress right and i guess my my question i was really gearing up for initially is like you know ufo's to me seem to have shifted over the years which is like you know initially it was mystery airships then it was flying saucers for a great deal of time and then you have a whole number of shapes that emerge into the picture then you have more military sort of craft that come along you know black helicopters and you know black triangles and even a black obelisk that fell from the sky in some freaking desert somewhere and and yeah i just i wonder you know if you think there's some sort of sense to that like What's going on with the the changes in how these aliens are appearing to people? Because, I mean, I'm not a skeptic as to whether these encounters are occurring. I think they're occurring. But I do, I do want to make sense of it in a way that doesn't, you know, because, you know, it just, yeah. Maybe I'll stop there because I'd like to hear your thoughts. It's an outstanding question. And really, again, it kind of comes back to then what we're what we think is possible as far as what aliens are, what we call aliens are. So if you look at it from the point of view that J. Allen Hynek, who ran Blue Book, got to at the end of his life was forming Sufos in the 70s. Even Jacques Vallée, Terrence McKenna spoke about this. That's it's perhaps one idea to entertain that would answer a lot of this would be a psychosemantic phenomena, meaning that it's not real in the sense that it's tangible at all. It's something we mentally project that is a co-collective delusion. And we can do this in all sorts of ways. Now, if you get, you know, zoom out far enough, we're all collectively creating our reality in this way together all the time anyway. And then another idea goes that you're just the one here, but everything else is a responsive energy in a toroidal field that's creating it back to you. This then, in any of those sort of conceptualities, would then say, well, how do aliens fit into that? Where do they fit into that? The other concepts that I've spoken in depth with, like folks like Dave Zed, Amira Taylor, about really perhaps it's you being taken aboard a craft, air quotes, but really it's a part of your psyche, your subconscious, and really you're going within your own self. You know, you're going within. A lot of folks, yes, report some sort of terrifying experience, but maybe that all in itself is a mental projection. Maybe they have to make you feel like it's something shitty because it's so fantastic and whimsical because any other explanation wouldn't fit. The other thing sort of is like missing time. Using that as sort of an indicator that something happened. And if there is some sort of high technology that can just wipe your mind, why do they leave the fact that you have missing time there? If they are time travelers, why don't they just drop you right back off? Maybe this, maybe I've gotten abducted five times during this thing, but you wouldn't know, right? And so it's these type of concepts that you just go, well, shit, maybe it's bacteria. Had Elsa Dillon on, highly recommend this woman. She, she and her husband, Richard, have eight kids. They all have incredible contact. They're out in Australia. Her three daughter, three of her daughters draw these incredible pictures of over the 500 beings that they're in contact with. And one of the things we talk about is sort of expanding our perspective on what we think is possible for what aliens are. Now, if you look at aliens as a virus, okay, you know, she says that, you know, bacteria come on comets, comets, have water and water is really something that's so important here to the whole puzzle. And the thing that we talk about with it being right under your nose is sort of this idea that perhaps it is all just water. 
And then you think of that maybe there's just a virus or a bacteria type of an entity, more of a bacteria, let's say benevolent alien. And then you have sort of a virus or a parasite that needs a host to survive that then comes on a comet. And maybe it's just to set the conditions of this back and forth thing we call duality is that there's sort of a level of extraterrestrial sprinkled over us that we all embody that gets, we're in, you know, it's, it's unavoidable here, right? And be the perfect way to infiltrate. So then you say, well, then maybe these comets that come over, maybe that's new levels and upgrades. And one of Elsa Dillon's things that she talked about was this idea of tech, this new archaic water coming in. So it's new water. It's water that we've never experienced before. But with that, again, with the idea, carries with it this ancient DNA upgrade. So we're able to receive these things now, which is why perhaps, again, just goes the idea, ancients revered the comets because they followed after a comet, there were levels of technological upgrade and societal advancements in that way. Now, some were, again, misused and misappropriated. It's just a tool, right? So in any way that those were levied, that would be the way that they manifest. But also, again, back to history, we can't, and we know, we all know this, you know, history is written by the victors. So I think our ability to interpret what we're told about history versus what folks are seeing and that the answers are somewhere in the middle, perhaps. Then you look at things like, again, back to this water component, and maybe that's what extraterrestrials are. It would kind of give you this idea of like lizard turds and Manchurian candidates and things like that. Maybe it's not a shape-shifting lizard person. Maybe that person is in a disposition within their body to where their body is the perfect conditions terraformed for these entities that do cruel things and cruelty and exist in these lower chakra states. Well, if you exist there, then those entities just thrive and they multiply, they go crazy, and then they apprehend your consciousness. And maybe that's what all this is. We're just actors playing out these two different wars of these extraterrestrial factions that are within all of us. And the only way to really battle it or victory or the only real participation you have is your disposition and making it an inhospitable environment for the bad extraterrestrials, as it were. It's it's a fascinating concept. So again, you, you then say, well, then what the fuck are the ships about? Maybe that's all just, again, a, a smokescreen, you know? Maybe those aliens know that if they can produce some sort of craft in the sky that will keep our eyes out there and not turn inward, which is where the answers in all teachings are found, and maybe it's right there. She also relates this to the cross. If you can think of the Vitruvian man, when he holds his arms out, the line goes right through the middle of him. She talks about your belly button being where your first breath is taken, and that's a breath of water, by the way before you convert to air. And there's a whole other thing about being perhaps in this dome area where there's air and oxygen and there's this whole deal. And that's what you're born into. And it makes you forget because you're breathing oxygen, not water. It's this whole fucking amazing thing. But to keep back here, then you could say then that again, you're, you're born into this area. Uh, you breathe through that area. The cross, when it was moved up to our heart and made our heart center, they raised the cross and it's out of alignment. But you're a lot of folks now are talking about that. Your real brain is in your gut and that, you know, this is your gut. That's your consciousness. It's where a lot of another brain resides, right? And so if you look at it that way and that that is where heaven is, is in your gut and that you raise the, put the center back where the Vitruvian man was and where, you know, back in Shakespeare days, they called your heart your spleen. That's where the word splendor came from. You had a good heart, use splendor, spleen. And so it was, it's not even named right in our history now. So that's another thing about history is this adaptation of all of these occult symbolisms and all of that kind of stuff, Right. So then you say, okay, well, then if it's met back in the middle, then then you think about like the gods and you anthropomorphize what Dave Matheson talks about with the uh, gut and the higher realms and then the lower, the underbelly. You've got the Hades or the under realm, you know, those type of things. It just puts a new perspective on it. And then especially when you think of it as consciousnesses within you, 
that are sprinkled on you constantly and that you can't do anything about it. It makes geoengineering look like a fucking turd, like nothing. Yeah, it kind of feels related, the two things you said. Maybe unintentionally, maybe not. But the, the idea that your answer to your first question, right, with how these feedback loops are created where humanity expects to see something that is at least within reason to what's already in their environment. It's not so far-fetched enough to crash their entire, you know, programming unit, right? So, for example, in the 1800s, they saw flying balloons that looked weird, right? But then when technology advanced and they saw things like automobiles, now what they saw in the sky kind of matched that. We've talked about that idea on the show, but now within the context of, okay, time travelers are coming from the future to do things in the present, right? It's a common concept in, in fiction and people understand it. But if you think about those two ideas related to one another, it would make sense that time travelers would do something like that. They would, you know, match the time period that they're entering and, you know, we think of them as time travelers. It kind of puts like a, I don't know, age, double agent kind of or like military kind of thing on it. I think it's more appropriate to think of this as like a an ultra consciousness that the planet has. You know, the planet manifested us. It can manifest energetic forms that appear as human or whatever it wants. I mean... If you think about it, all the aliens are either a, a mix of something that's already on the planet, like a human and a and a and like a, a maggot, right? Because we see these like really weird insectoid type alien humanoids, and then you have like I don't know fish and humans that are seen sometimes, right? Like half fish, half yeah. human, and then lizard, obviously. Mostly bipedal, too, which is very interesting. Right, right, this is where right. Dr. Michael P. Masters gets his sort of idea about the contact ease reports of the entities they've seen. When you especially think of something like the Billy Meyer case, which say what you want about that, but it's they were real Nordic looking. Like they could just mm. walk around the street. And then you have things like A Stranger at the Pentagon, Frankie Strange's book about Valiant Thor, about this Venetian that came in, you know, from Venus and hung out at the Pentagon for a while. And so you have those type of stories where they could just walk among us. But then you have the extreme ones. Like you said, the lizard folks, the mantis beings, you have these half, you know, fish well, head and, folks, these almost chimera-like beings. And my, it's the bipedal template. It's interesting. Yeah, well, and, and my point really rather is that throughout the time, you know, of human existence, recorded human existence, we have this sort of presence of, of beings that are above what our capabilities are, you know, our understanding is, is it was the gods, you know, and then it's angels and maybe prophets. Now it's sort of like geniuses who get inspired by certain ideas and, and maybe even the creatives like, you know, the sci-fi writers who kind of put all these ideas out there. And for us a hundred years later to be like, Oh, it was predictive programming. They planned it all. Maybe they're not planning it all. Maybe they're receiving this sort of wave of ultra conscious energy. And like the ultra consciousness needs to piece the evolution together. Cause we're all evolving together as one species. The planet is all evolving as one, you know, group of, of, a huge variety of species, right? We're all, I mean, evolving in the sense of changing over time. 
So maybe there's that's managed somehow by the earth on a, like a, an ultra consciousness level. We have conscious, why wouldn't the planet have consciousness? Right. And it appears to us in these forms that, you know, in, in the past were described as mythological. Now that our culture has become more literary focused, we have just more, you know, ways of describing these things and they've taken on a more science fiction, you know, appearance. Not that it's anything's fictional at all, really. I think it, that's kind of, it's just the way our perspective about things has shifted. You know, it, what was called mythology 200 years ago is now called science fiction. It's interesting how that's changed. It's a brilliant point, man. Absolutely. And in, in 1939, I think we were given this with the Wizard of Oz. You know, the, this idea of the, something not being what it appeared and it not being that thing and you discovering it, right? And so perhaps Gaia, like you said, the earth itself is manifesting ways of managing us or even inspiring us in a co-collective type of a process. Let's say that we see something flying in the sky and I love that you pointed out that it changes over time, which leads to a couple of things here. Number one, it's a psychosemantic thing that we're just making up. Number two, another option I'd love to entertain because I don't plant my flag anywhere, would be that it is sort of this manifestation, but it's of you know, inspiration. It is of the earth. Let's say that also this pertains in another way to areas Gaia doesn't want you going, right? You know, maybe in the form of beasts underwater, maybe in the form of these things coming out of the water and us just saying, holy shit, what was that? You can think of this as like cryptids as well. We've all, we've gotten to the point now in the conversation with a lot of us that it, it feels like the phenomena, whatever that is, poltergeist, near death, psychedelics even perhaps are in this category, cryptids, UFOs, all of these things are perhaps all related in some way. Now, if you take the sort of unity consciousness idea, you're like, duh. But if you look at it from sort of what we're talking about here and you look at it as sort of a more of a manifestation thing, maybe there's like an area of caves, you know, the guy doesn't want you running around it. Maybe the um, Ark of the Covenant is just laying out on a hill in Washington. And that's why a bunch of Sasquatches are running around to keep people away from that area, you know, sort of a thing. Or maybe there's something really mysterious and amazing in there that it wants us to discover. And now we're at the level to discover it. So Bigfoots are out there enticing us to go into nature and to spend time out there to look for these things, those of which want to go look for it. Same thing with the CE5 groups. What you're seeing is a bunch of people meditating to bring in a consciousness to them. Well, who's to say, and in manifestation, it's just you're creating that. It's an egregore. It's a tulpa. You decided that would be there. It's there. You get what you pay for. There you go. Everyone reinforces the idea. And really on a level, you can look at Dr. Lynn McTaggart's work with that power of eight and the intention studies. You manifested that shit together. You know what I'm saying? So it's sort of like the Fatima event. I mean, all of those things could be. Now, I'm not ruling out that it's some super dope and fantastic I'm, because this wouldn't rule it, wouldn't make it not in that category. It'd actually be a whole new level of super dope and fantastic as we do it. Now you could say if there are reports of people who have manifested crafts and if that's what's occurring, they get on those crafts and they get taken somewhere, then perhaps we could do the same thing. We can manifest a craft, we're going to have it land, we hop on the thing and be a little bit more intentional with the contact rather than some subservient, you know, whim of these intruders as Bud Hopkins calls them. So maybe we just, you know, restate our relationship with them, you know, sort of a do no harm, take no shit philosophy with the UFOs, perhaps. But again, maybe again, it is sort of this psychosemantic phenomena because it's one step out of what man's been able to create. Back to what you said, there were Viking reports of like ships flying in the sky, like wooden ships flying in the sky. So what is that about? They could build wooden ships that would float on water, but they didn't know yet how to make them fly. So the concept was just so foreign that yes, they will deify the things, but perhaps Again, it's an inspiration. It's something going, hey, here's this thing and y'all should build it. And then they float off, you know, or whatever. But again, it advances to what we're capable of 
rendering in our reality, like a metal disc and stuff showed up back in the day because they painted them. But perhaps also it stayed a little bit re in, redefined how it interfaces with this because it was a little lost. Like, man, maybe we got to reevaluate how we interface with these beings, which sort of, again, takes out this all-knowing, all-powerful element to them. I think that they're fallible just like us. I think they are us at a level. There's an even trippier one is that you're just a walk-in version of them here as a representative on this planet. You're a part of this entire galaxy of things. And the ones that abduct you due to the law of one and sovereignty are only you because only you can say something can happen to you. And so there's a split level thing that occurs there where it's just you anyway. And they're just sort of making upgrades or tweaks or like the folks that say that they were took taken on a UFO and their cancer was gone. Yeah, their alien people were probably like, well, shit, our bots breaking down over here. Our avatars fucked up. So we got to fix it and send it back out. It's still got more work to do. Who knows, you know, what type of relationship we have. And especially with those that tell you what type of relationship, you know, the whatever's told me this, like. I listen to that. And absolutely. Like I, it's all considered because it's part of consciousness. It's what's being explained and I never rule it out, but it's an interesting way of sort of specifying a particular group of entities, which is again, why, you know, if I am a contactee, I'm, I tell them deliberately, do not let me remember. It's part of my character here. I'm not supposed to know exactly what's going on. I'm just supposed to speculate wildly and have fun with the ideas. That's an interesting approach. I would, I would expect you to be like, no, let me remember it so I could tell everybody on the podcast. Now, I'm, not ruling it, I'm not ruling it out of my future experience, but I know for now it's not something that I want. I do have this feeling that I'm going to be able to interview, if I haven't already, an, an actual extraterrestrial on the show. But it will be like a real legit like sit-down interview. And the, I just whole, have this feeling. the whole world will at that point, like Joe Rogan probably gets the first extraterrestrial interview and then at some point... It like trickles down and like Make we start interviewing. Like yeah. 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 We <laughs> yeah. start interviewing, you know, aliens. That's what you're saying. Or are you? Yeah. Why not? Well, maybe we have, you know, maybe we are all the time. Again, with that Billy Meyer case, they could walk among you. You'd never know. Venusians okay. allegedly okay. could walk among you okay. and you never know. Yeah. And then you have like saying. the idea of uh, folks shape shifting, you know, and who knows if I'm not a damn lizard turd from here back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't see it. I don't uh, know. I just, I think we take a lot of that kind of stuff for granted. I think I would, I would know. Would you know? Yeah. God, I don't know. I think I've met, I know I've felt that I've met sort of an NPC vibe. I don't know if it's a physical NPC because I'm not degrading anyone. What I'm saying is sort of an automated human, you know what I mean? Sort of thing. And I'm like, you're not fucking real. Like they bump into walls and shit, like real obvious, weird, <laughs> weird behavior. Mm. And I was just like, that's interesting. But same thing. I mean, you never know. You never know. Well, I would, I, if I was a billionaire right now, I would pay, I would hire people to pretend to be NPCs just so that kind of thing would happen. <laughs> Gaslight this shit out of everybody. <laughs> Do you remember what Richard Branson did? You know that dude, Virgin Records? Yeah. In the, what was his 90s, he had a hot air balloon that was shaped like a UFO and he hired a small, a little person, a dwarf person oh, to get God. inside of it dressed like an alien. <laughs> and when it landed, he hopped out of it and like did this whole thing. That's what billionaires do, man. That's awesome. Wow. Well. Yeah. It was the 90s. It was a different time. I love it, man. And I wish you the best at the Canyon. And I hope you guys do because I know Graham is into the CE5. So maybe you guys will manifest a sighting or even better an encounter. Who knows what great it will be, but I'm excited to, to hear the results of that. I will swing by and pick you up, dude. I'll oh give you a holler. We're five seconds away, probably. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if you're in, if you're in a UFO, please do a flyby. Just all you gotta do is go right down Long Island Sound along the shore. 
you'll pass I'm calling by you for directions. House. Hang on, I don't see it. You know, <laughs> set up a flare or something. This is much harder without street signs. I can't see them. You know, just see New York City and take a take a right. That's all. Take a right at New York City. City. Yeah, go yeah. east from New York City. You'll catch me. But uh, Brandon, please remind the folks so they can go. Actually, I'll remind people. I think you have it here in the show notes. Come hang with us. Contact at thecabin.com. So go there. If you listen to this episode, chances are that it's already sold out. But if you're in luck, there may be tickets available. So go and sign up and you'll be able to hang out with Brandon. You'll be able to hang out with David Matheson, Ksenia Moore, Brandon Powell, and of course, the America Show, Graham and Darren. So, dude, this has been awesome as usual. Thank you for sending me the Expanding Reality Handbook, Workbook. I want to have a conversation with you when you get back from your trip and we'll talk about the scene and hopefully getting that in print. But in the meantime, folks go over to my store and pick up the PDF. If you want to check out the scene edition three, Brandon, anything you want to plug for folks? Obviously they know you're the man behind expanding reality. They can go find you on Rockfin if they're on Rockfin with the, my family thinks I'm crazy podcast, right? You're also on YouTube and all the podcast apps and you have your own website, expandingrealitypodcast.com. So I think I just did it for you, but please plug anything else that you'd like. <laughs> you know, I would like to plug some, I'd like to plug you and how oh, great thanks. this was and how awesome of a host you are and how you just let the guests be themselves, man. I mean, this is like a, it's a beautiful thing. This is a dance. You know, this, you made me feel so comfortable as you always do brother. And I just don't want you to think that folks take it for granted. So I want to post and plug at you. So thank you very much. Wow. Well, with a job like this, it's, that's well worth it. I appreciate it. You know, we don't get complimented enough as podcasters. We're just sitting here behind our desk, you know, we clock in, we clock out whenever we want to work on the podcast. So I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And the same to you. Your show is always an inspiration and you're always a bright, shining, beaming light. So carry that torch of positivity with you into the canyon. You're going to need it. It's going to be dark on that new moon. So, so enjoy. Smoke a blunt for me. Say hi to Graham and Darren and David. And I, I don't I don't know if I'll know anyone else there, but if you're listening to the show and you're going there, hit me up. Let me know on Instagram. We'll, We'll, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. But Brandon, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And everybody listening, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now, especially if you're in the canyon. All right, and that is our episode with Brandon Thomas back on the show for the third time. And uh, yeah, it was a really inspirational conversation for me, uh, whether you're a podcaster or not. I hope this conversation uh, inspires you to come up with maybe uh, a new way to approach whatever you're doing. You know, as a podcaster, sure, I can come out with T-shirts and stickers and all that kind of stuff that you can get from any other podcast. But how many podcasts come with their own workbook, their own journal? I mean, workbook is sort of a misnomer. It should be called a fun book. I have one. And although I don't listen to Brandon's show often, I must admit, I can't really listen. I, I, not because it's not a good show. It's an excellent show. I as a matter of fact, I've been on it and I have listened before. It's an excellent show. 
But, you know, as a podcaster who creates a similar type of podcast, it's you know only natural that I kind of stopped listening to, to shows like that, as much as I regret to admit it. Uh, of course, I still listen to Tinfoil Hat. I still listen to the higher side chats from time to time, depending on the guest. And I, uh, of course, still support all these shows. But either way, I only have so much time in the week. And I'll admit, I like comedy podcasts. I listen to far more comedy podcasts than I do conspiracy podcasts these days. Most of the time, I'll be doing my research for a guest primarily via reading. Sometimes I'll tune into a show here or there, but yeah, it just changed, you know, my, my listening habits. And uh, either way, my point being is that Brandon's come up with a fantastic piece of, well, we can call it merchandise, a fun workbook, a journal that goes along with his podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm envious. I'm jealous. I, kudos to him. I think he's doing a really cool job with that. He's also helped helping uh, bring some attention to uh, the Grimerica shows, Contact at the Canyon, Contact at the Cabin, all these different contacts, uh, group get-togethers that they're doing. Brandon, I think, is probably there this week. I don't know. Uh, I saw a picture posted today on David Matheson's Instagram, and Brandon was in it. So I'm guessing that's going on now, unless he's back already. But either way, shout-out to Brandon. Hope he's having a fun time out there with Graham and Darren and David and Brandon Powell and everyone else who's showed up. Shout out to all the folks who listen to my show. I heard from, uh, I think it was Joe Roop. Yep, it was Joe Roop that at one of the contact at the canyons that he went to, some listeners of this show were there. So shout out to you guys. Joe didn't tell me your names, but shout out to you. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, Brandon, such a nice guy, such a bright ball of sunshine, a bright ray of sunshine. I don't don't know how to put it, Uh, but he's a cool guy and he's been very kind to me. Uh, He's been podcasting longer than I have. I remember the first time I got in touch with him, he was like, hey, let's talk on the phone. And I liked that about him. He was very direct and uh, got to know him right off the bat. So yeah, look forward to, you know, maybe me being on his show soon or him joining us here again uh, for a future episode. But uh, this week we got some good stuff coming up. We got an interview with someone who's been on the show before. We've got an interview with someone who has never been on the show before. Uh, someone who sent me a product that, you know, I, I don't know. I'll say it in this episode. I'm pretty sure Rajai, he listens to the show in general. So if you're hearing this, Rajai, you know, don't be offended. But uh, yeah, I was kind of uh, persuaded into doing an interview with somebody who, let's say, has another product for sale. And, you know, given that we've had interviews in the past that have gone this way you know i kind of expected uh the interview to be kind of like an infomercial and in fairness to raj he was actually very informative and we were talking about more than just uh, the product that he had to sell so i didn't have a problem with him as a guest or even him 
his proposal. You know, everybody's got to make money. I understand that. But when I saw the price of the the devices that they're selling, I was kind of kind of skeptical. You know, so after the interview, he offered to send me one of these products to try it out for myself. And you know, I got to be honest, <laughs> I was very surprised to see uh, what you know was delivered in the mail being sold for you know multiple hundreds of dollars this looks like something that you should be able to buy at the store for you know fifty dollars or so so i don't know what i'm gonna do i don't want to give a bad review because you know i think to each his own this is a type of product that might work for some people might not uh but look forward to that interview i'm gonna give my honest uh my honest review of the product in the outro of that episode but first you'll be able to listen to uh rajai himself i don't know if he created this product that's the other thing unlike our interview with george wiseman um you know i don't think rajai is the inventor of this product i could be wrong i mean i really i i could be wrong but he i did seems like if he invented it he would have emphasized that more at least enough for me to remember but who knows i could i could have forgot if if it if it is the case that he invented it then i apologize but uh but either way i'm a little skeptical i hope i don't come across as a debunker but uh but yeah i'm a little skeptical about this product after receiving it so hopefully that doesn't uh you know affect you listening to the interview is still a great interview and we talked about some things that are relevant whether or not you care about buying the product or not but yeah just keep that in mind for this next episode coming out Uh, it's going to be a friday episode since it's a little shorter that's it that's it for today's episode so shout out to everybody tuning in be sure to support us on patreon Support us on Substack, support us on Rockfin to get the video version of the show. And of course, if you're a stoner like me, I hope you had a good 420. If you don't already have a hit kit, what are you doing? It's the number one way to keep your blunts, your joints safe, whatever you're smoking, whether you're rolling something up or you just don't want to lose your lighter. Maybe you got a couple of Lucy's. I mean, I can't imagine a cigarette smoker would ever use a hit kit, but uh, it's a cool little device and, uh, You'll never lose your lighter again. Some of the designs have some esoteric metaphysical themes, even the Kabbalion written out on one of them. So go and check it out. Make sure you use the promo code CRAZY and save 20% off at checkout. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, one more thing. I got to give a big shout out to Banjo Glass, um, Matt, his son, Rye, and their friend karma came out all the way out from down south actually they're from arkansas karma's from uh north carolina i believe and uh yeah they came out to new haven they're doing a show nearby i was able to meet up with them and we did a little walkabout in some interesting parts of new haven i showed them the skull and bones tomb and they hooked me up with some killer weed so that was cool unfortunately i wasn't able to make it to their glass blowing show 
uh, life happens. But uh, shout out to Matt and Karma and Rye. It's great to meet you guys. Thank you for supporting me and uh, coming out to see me. If you're in the area or you're traveling through, hit me up. I'll give you a tour of New Haven. Uh, we'll get some coffee and uh, check out the sights and sounds. Do it while the offer stands because I think uh, as time moves forward, I'm going to set it up like a proper tour where people pay ahead of time and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll see. But until next time, folks, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. Terrestrial, trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. I be saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from. In like a hundred years, we went saw a bomb before guns. Check the facts, check the Fed, check the stars. Stanley Mines was murked for a water fuel cell car. They each they own, you can stick with your old ways. But eat the rich and drink the motherfucking Kool Aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, pure American made. Fuck it. You can keep your blood soaked heritage And run the soul off the moon landed narrative Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing My folks think I'm nuts but never question the parenting Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots but it's all kinda hazy The morning in the net feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pap thinks I'm un-American and shady I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Think that I'm off in the deep end. One too many Netflix docs on the weekends. But check the budget for a military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue. And you be lit off the floor, ride and ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to gold up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crap. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got kids talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up can. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy. I'm on the internet, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm on American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy Me. My family 